Hey, it's the Nerdlings Podcast for purpose of critique, review, and education, and education, and all that other stuff. I'm WC Chronicles, and I'm your senior host of the Nerdlings Podcast, and I am wearing a mask, and we got another person back from the dead, the zombie dead. It's Greg Van Cott, TV movie guy. What up, everybody? Hope everybody's staying safe. Wash your hands and wear masks. And as my mom would say, don't pick your nose and eat it. Grass will grow in your stomach. Can't do that with when you're wearing a mask anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're doing a podcast here that you actually came up with, the idea. Do you want to... Ex- oh, yeah. If I try to explain it, it's not going to work, so I'm going to let you explain it. Okay, well, I have a secret Facebook group that my buddy Wayne here is actually a part of, even though he doesn't respond that much. I'm no, busy. <laughs> He's busy with the people that annoy him during the COVID era. But <laughs> it's, uh, so anyway, I have a, I have this Facebook group and we like give ourselves like little brain teasers where we ask ourselves questions that require some kind of thought. So they might be movie trivia questions or music trivia questions or comic book trivia questions. Occasionally I throw in some video games, but half of the people on that list who are friends in that group are not millennials so they might be like what is a video game so (laughs) so i don't i don't ask too much about video games but i do ask a lot about movies and music and not too long ago i came up with a question which was what is your favorite song by an artist that you like that one song but you don't really care much about their other work and it was a popular topic. Like, everybody got on it. And I always get really happy when everybody starts to chime in because it's a really good, valid question to ask because everybody has something like that. Even if you're not a huge music enthusiast, by any means, somebody might say, oh, I like Happy Birthday by Marilyn Monroe because they like Marilyn Monroe. Maybe they are they don't listen to too much music because they don't really know much yeah, about music, and, and you but they like that. Cause and you of, don't know anything else about Marilyn Monroe's catalog. Yeah, 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 because, you know, that's one of those, did Marilyn Monroe sing besides, you know, <laughs> Diamonds Are a be- Girl's Best Friend? So it's just kind of like, you know, that's just an example. I think one of the girls commented on that. But, no, we had some really good topics of bands that people mentioned, and uh, I had a few bands and solo artists, and Wayne had a few uh, bands and solo artists. We actually have the same band that we have a gripe about. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way. Bands that you won't have a gripe with. <laughs> Maybe, sort of. Not yeah, really. and just to also let people know, it's not so much, it's not just music. It's also like their personality. You don't like their behavior. You don't like, uh, you know, their later work or something like that because they like went off the rails or something like that. Like a good, good example, but I didn't make it example for... Our purposes of entertainment was Phil Spector. Everybody can hate Phil Spector because he murdered his wife. He con- he's convicted. He's in jail when now. He was in prison. So it was like, yeah, you know, Silent Night by uh, Phil Spector is an amazing Christmas song. He was an amazing producer, but the dude killed his wife. So, like, yes, everybody can hate him. He's a huge stain on early golden oldies because of this little stupid thing he did it's like oj simpson in football you just can't and the naked gun you can't separate the two bill cosby or bill cosby such a stain yeah or harvey (laughs) weinstein it's like ah like you you gotta admit like okay weinstein produced some really great movies but he's such a douchebag you know (laughs) well let's get to the first one here yours is green day wake me up when september ends do you want to give one? Should we play the song first, or uh, I could give a little bit of a rundown. Go ahead and give a rundown on yeah, it. I'll, I'll give my my rundown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Two two thousand five, 
fourth single from the album American Idiot. Okay? Billy Joel Armstrong, Green Day, the lead singer. Yeah, there's, um, if you look up on the internet, there's a lot of things that people have a problem with Billy Joel Armstrong. Now, going back to the song, it's a good song because he wrote it about his father, and his father had died when he was like 10. And he ran into his back to the house after the funeral, and he locked himself in his room and wouldn't come out. Ergo, wake me up when September ends, because he just wanted the pain to go away. That's a very good reason to write a song, and it's a it's a it's a wonderful song. It's not a song that I go out of my way to listen to, but if it's on the radio, I find myself singing it, and I I enjoy it because it has special meaning. Uh, let's listen to the song then. Okay, and this is the music video we're playing, and it's actually a music video that depicts a couple being broken apart by an Iraqi war. Yeah. I think we all know that. A bit of a short film in it. You know, they say life is short. They say you wake up one day and... On that day... All of your dreams and... Everything you wished for and you wanted to... Gone, just like that, you know? People... People get old and, you know, things change and, and situations change and what I want is I just... I want this moment right now, this day. And my feelings for you, the way you look right now, the way I look at you, I just want this to last forever, you know? Alright, well... I mean, no matter what, we've always had this and had each other. I don't know, nothing can change that. But I, this way, you know, no matter what, you always have somebody here for you. Uh, always. I'm, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to leave you. I love you. I know. I know. Me. I won't. Believe me. I won't. Tell me you didn't do it. Tell me you didn't do it. Please, please, please. 
wanted to tell you. I love you so much. I love much. you too. No. no. Stop, stop, stop. Just listen. No. How can you do this to me? How can you do this? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. When I thought of old people, you would understand. Why don't you understand? I did this for us. What? I did it for us. This oh is supposed God. to make it easier. I thought you'd be proud of me. I thought at least of all people, you would understand why I did this. Oh, God. Oh, my God. September ends. Green Day. Take it. I took it. All right. Put it so. back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, 
Green Day is not really a band that I really get into. I remember in school there was this stupid joke that showed up because it was really funny. It went something like, okay, so people would talk about the Green Bay Packers and they're like, oh, those cheeseheads, you know, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, and then some people who just didn't like them would make up this joke. They'd say, I don't like... I don't like that Green Bay shit. I don't like that Green Day shit. And it would just be a joke that would just show up all the time. And I know that Billy Joe Armstrong doesn't listen to his press, which is really good. I think that's a good uh, thing for any artist to do is not get sucked into, you know, the ego of it. But it sounds like he just has a big ego anyway. Like he destroys his own guitars. It was about several years ago where he threw the big fit... In here in Las Vegas, on stage for the, I think the Iron Heart, Heart Radio. Show. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a big fit about it, and people very got very annoyed by it because he was making it all about me. And that's also the thing, maybe that's weird about Billy Joe Armstrong is he's in a band, but he sounds like he only talks about himself. So it's very annoying. I, I, it, I know he also criticizes Donald Trump, good man, but it sounds like they have a similar form of narcissism that bugs me, and I know that that. I, I don't know the full story, but, again, this song is really great. I know he probably knows when his music is is really great. This particular song has a lot of emotional value. And I like the short film that has Jamie Bell and Evan Rachel Wood when uh, they were a couple. That's really sweet. I like the Iraq War stuff. That's really good music video. And, you know, his kind of punk sound of the kind of the Weezer inspired millennial sound. I think he would get very annoyed that it was being com- comparing it to Weezer. I just don't know how else to interpret that kind of singing voice as I call it the Weezer sound. So it's um it's kind of like saying, "Hey, Billy Joe Armstrong, if only you could be just a little bit more humble and a little bit more mellow, maybe people would like your music in the way we kind of think of like he did a he did a, a sample of um, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Do you want to touch me? And he put it into a song called Oh Yeah. And you hear it in the back. You're like, Oh, that's Joan Jett. I know that song. But at the same time, you're kind of like saying, But I like the Joan Jett song more. Like, why was that necessary to sample that back some of the background vocals and some of the same guitar licks and rhythms? for your song. So that's one of the reasons why I have trouble getting into Green Day sometimes is because it's either, you know, it sounds really pretentious, but it's like, oh, that's so derivative. I kind of hate saying that. Oh, it's so revisionist. Oh, how pretentious can I sound saying all this bullshit? But it's just like, you know, in comparison to some other bands, like let's say somebody like Weezer, for example, at least Weezer sounds like they're being a lot more humble about their music because there's yeah, always kind of are. an indie quality to their music that i really like and you know that's that's every, green day does what they want to do and i guess bottom line is if billy joel armstrong wasn't destroying guitars and throwing a fit and being you know kind of mean to his fans and starting fights then i would have a little bit more respect for the guy because i would go oh i like this person and what they represent it's like one of the, i think my conclusion is when you learn about paul mccartney he will say things like, I wrote this song because I want people to feel happy. I want people to feel joy. I want people to feel the love. That's why so many Beatles songs are about love. And he has written dark songs like Live and Let Die and um, Helter Skelter. So you're kind of like saying, well, 
Paul is somebody who has so much respect, not only for his fans and not only for what he's putting out there, but he can articulate it. And if you're not somebody who can articulate such a thing, like, oh, I'm writing my music, you're kind of trying to say you're like Morrissey, but Morrissey, like, seems to have an excuse of just being antisocial, and he just admits that, like, leave me alone, I, I don't want to talk to anybody, I will do it when I feel like it. I get that. That's, like, super-duper introvert. But if you're going to be like, look at me, I'm who I say I am, I'm so great, you just fall into that, like, oh, that's not attractive. <laughs> and I guess that is the point. Like, it's not that attractive. Okay. At all. <laughs> I like your opinion. Thank you. <laughs> all right, so my next choice is... Yay. My choice is Journey. Ooh, okay. Journey, that's interesting because I like yeah, Journey. Yeah, because you've been, you've had it, you've had the FM radio force it down your throat. <laughs> so you're saying that with Journey, you feel like you were force fed to like Journey, kind of like I feel about ABBA. Well, Journey <laughs> is a great band. Okay. 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 This, they're a great band. Here, here's here's the thing. Okay, I like the fact. Okay, so when the whole Soprano thing came out. We had, you know, the same song. I'm not even going to name it, because you hear it all the time on the radio. Okay, yeah, all right? I probably know what but you're talking about. But they do have a deep catalog. They got mm -hmm. a lot of other great stuff, you know? But then also the fact that the great classic story, the lead say a dream dream come true for Arnel Pinela. Journey found him in 2007. Jonathan King and Neil Sean found him doing karaoke in the Philippines in Manila. And he's a great singer. I mean, he is like a, he's like they, they describe him as the Filipino-looking Steve Perry, mm. singing voice. And he's just they need to give this guy more credit. And I've never really liked the fact that they don't give him enough credit. I mean, uh -huh. I, he's a great big Steve Perry fan. When they did the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, he was like he was like fanboy all over Steve Perry and just loving it, you know. But I, I don't specifically go out of my way with the minute that Journey song that you had that come on from The Sopranos, bam, change the station, okay? So anyway, the song that I've been going to, it, it's, it's basically, it's a live track from 2009, here filmed in Las Vegas, Be Good to Yourself.
there. I love the way I coincidentally find it live from Las Vegas <laughs> on there. So, you know, I mean, just the fact that he, this is like my one go-to song that I'll listen to. I don't go into any more of the Journey catalog. I wish I had time to. It'd be fun. There, and now you were mentioning him about singing about the throat. Mm. There's a good documentary about him becoming the lead singer and following him when he goes home when Journey actually does a concert in Manila going returning home and it follows the whole story and he about his voice problems and because he's doing he's going to put from a cult karaoke bar to a stadium yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway that's the one that i that's my my first choice into it yeah i get it because you're saying that uh he should get more credit because he sounds so much like Steve Perry. that's that's my opinion and that's, yeah that's something that seems kind of like it's inappropriate. Yeah. It's almost like when, for like my, my friend Carl Driggs, when he took over Paul Revere and the Raiders, because yeah. Mark Lindsay was out, he should have got more credit when he never did. Right. You know. Right. But that's a whole other podcast. Yeah. So let's get to the neutral ground territory where we're both on the band called U2, named after a spy plane. Not necessarily yes. true. <laughs> Your first one. One of the first rock songs I heard as a kid was Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me in Batman Forever. And it wasn't like, you know, that's not... Sunday Bloody Sunday. I know, I'm, I'll get to oh, that. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that, uh, to give you a perspective, you know, it's like, he's not following instructions on what was in the script. No, 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 no. Uh, it, basically, my perspective was that, as a kid, I used to hear that, like, in a record store. My mom would go to and buy some CDs, and I would hear something like that on the PA, and I'd be like, oh, that's a really cool song. And then I heard it on Batman Forever, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe that's what rock songs sound like. But it's not what most of U2 sounds like. So that being said, one of my favorite songs that they did way back in the 80s was a song called Sunday, Blondie Sunday. And it's actually based on two Bloody Sundays. The one uh, that for the British was the British troops being killed by uh, IRA in Northern Ireland. And for Martin Luther King's uh, Selma march in Alabama, Selma, Alabama, where uh, the police uh, started to beat down the uh, peaceful protest. And uh, the song I liked because Bono's song is very much like, it sounds like a 60s song. It's very appropriate because it sounds like that era of, again, peaceful protest and, you know, fighting for a good cause but you're getting beaten down by some kind of very violent opposition so it you know it it sounds like a song that should fit somewhere in the catalog of something like you know right after the beatles break up or something where you know Jimi hendrix is singing his songs like uh along the watchtower or something like that it sounds like that kind of genre of song so i like sunday bloody sunday a lot by you too but not so much Bono as a guy. Do you know what Sunday Bloody Sunday is about? Well, I I, I thought that's what it was about. Is there something else uh, to uh, it that I don't know about? 1972 in the city of Derry in Ireland. Yeah, I just said that in Ireland. Yeah, yeah in the uh, 26 protesters unarmed, yeah. 14 died, two were literally run over with a jeep, literally. Yeah. And killed. Yeah. It's just amazing. Not many people. I mean. The, the, there's a documentary there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. That's something I think the British or the Irish are in a hurry so, to make about. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into it. Here it is. Sunday Bloody Sunday. This song is not a rebel song. This song is Sunday Bloody Sunday.
Okay, so now some things we're, we're some things that we were talking about during the song. We're going to talk about now. Yeah, we, we seem to be doing this thing where we think we're talking about something, and then we, we're actually talking about something else. Like well, we went on a whole thing about we were confused about hats, and I thought I was talking about Bono's hat because I hate his cowboy hat. But then you thought I was talking about the Edges hat, and I was yes. like, No, I'm not talking about the Edges hat. I don't have a problem with the Edges hat. I have a problem with Bono's hat. <laughs> now, now, now you do know that U2 is actually a Christian band, right? Oh yeah, I don't, I, I don't doubt that. That's like Creed. Like for me as a kid, Creed was the Christian band. But they sneak it in under the radar, like okay, mysterious ways. She moves like mysterious. It's about the Mother Mary, or you know, even better than the real thing. You know, Temptation. You, you, not every song, but if you look at some of their songs, it's a very Christian band flying under the radar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be why it's so annoying. <laughs> it's like what like you can't you can't be a Christian band and like be that edgy, I guess. You know, it's kind of like uh uh it's like Skillet doing Jesus Freak. It's like that's a good edgy sounding song, but you're still singing Jesus Freak. It's yeah. just like, you know, I mean, because it could be ironic. You could be like, "Oh, you're such a Jesus freak, you freaky freak, but it's still a Christian song. Like, no, authentically, it's about a Jesus freak. And it's just like, oh, okay, you know, that's kind of how I feel about that sort of thing. But, I mean, we're uh, with Bono, we were talking about how it's impossible now, thanks to Trey Parker and Matt Stone, to separate Bono from South Park jokes. I mean, they've done that deliberately. <laughs> they wanted to basically... Uh, reveal how irritating he is to and pretentious he is uh because let's let's get it very clear the i mean parker and stone love music they really love music they do they love the cure the cure is like their heroes like that is like where the, the somewhere that's like the the pinnacle of like musical expression for them is like robert smith so basically, I think because they're they merged kind of around the same time and are in close in age, I think Bono came, specifically Bono became a really like good target because of his political stuff, and I guess because of the Christian stuff. And no, there's nothing wrong with being Christian at all. Not nothing whatsoever. It's the whole parading it kind of thing. Like I'm so important, kind of bullshit. I think that's what. Uh, gets under a lot of people's skin, but you were saying, Wayne, like, you know, they have a really, like, uh, strong fan base in Britain, but I also know a lot of Brits that don't like you, too. That's so it's true. And it's kind of weird. Saying, you were saying that you thought most of the fans were women. I they, would think, I would think that I they think were pretty, for some reason. Well, let's, let's, 
I got something to share about as being a, fan, a former heavy fan of U2. Oh, okay. I did so not know this. Let's go ahead and do you the Saul Williams 2008 version. Yeah, okay, let's okay. Let's talk about that. Go so, we had song. another uh, t- brain teaser on my Facebook uh, group about uh, cover songs that we really like. And we, we didn't quite get around to doing that as a podcast, but we did do something similar, which was uh, the last one that you and I did was cartoon theme songs that we really liked. But um, covers that are very good. One of them that I liked was Saul Williams' uh, "Sunday Bloody Sunday" from U2's uh, that we just played, and um, I had basically mentioned that Saul Williams is one of the most underrated R&B singers of all time because if you listen to his music, it's very edgy, but it's also very intellectual. Like his lyrical content is amazing. Like. He will he will do some very like insane African based raps like we're talking like there's a lot of Africa African music infused from uh you know um you know the instrumentation I would say the different kinds of uh, uh, drums that he uses and stuff it's it's very beautiful in addition to you know some synth traditional synth that he puts in there but the my point is is that Sunday Bloody Sunday is a song that requires singing it vocally like you know singing long broad notes and he's also capable of that and there's a lot of people in the r&b industry that can't sing like they they literally can't do it you know they they don't exist in that you know michael jackson prince uh you know end of the spectrum where they actually are singing and belting stuff out but Saul williams can so it's really cool for Saul Williams to sing it, and it becomes part of his repertoire, which fits into kind of his, you know, protest. There's a lot of protest songs he writes in there about just societies and people being more intelligent and kinder to each other. And Sunday Bloody Sunday fits more into that, like, that I'm talking about Martin Luther King's Bloody Sunday. That's kind of what he's doing, because you 2s talking about, of course, you know, the British and the Irish. He's talking about, well, we have a Bloody Sunday in the United States, and it's this one. So it's like his song, in some ways, is better than the U2 song. And I don't get me wrong, I like the U2 song, but it's, you know, they wrote it. But it's the Saul Williams kind of giving it a whole other layer of expression, I would say. Because he adds like this sadness to it, you can hear him sound. He sounds sad. So let's play it. Okay, here it is. Saul Williams from 2008, Sunday Bloody Sunday.
right, that's pretty cool. We're talking about that, and it's like it's got some key change. He actually does sing. Yeah, yeah, he's a good singer. He can sing. And uh, it's a, a, a more substantially sad song because it feels more emotional. I love the oh, 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 oh. It's, that's beautiful. And he always has had, again, a protester quality to his his work and I love the music video like even just looking at it now I'm just kind of looking at it going man I gotta find out where he filmed that that's pretty cool so I mean but the that's for a whole another podcast we are we're just bringing this up as an example of saying I think Saul Williams pulled off this song even better it's like so it kind of brings it brings us back to the topic of like you know musicians that aren't quite satisfying us like <laughs> it's That's like, a good way to put it. You like, could be a okay, title of a podcast. so yeah, yeah. So you're sitting there and you're upset and you're emotional about something. I, I know everyone out there is. We're all frustrated, and you put on your headphones and you want to listen to a song, and a song comes up on your playlist because maybe you're listening to, you know, a uh, Pandora because that's how that app works, and you're like, oh, it's Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2, and then you start to think. Yeah, but I like Saul Williams a little bit better. <laughs> now I want to listen to a whole bunch of Saul Williams. And that's just how that kind of works. I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I feel like Bono's best contribution maybe is one and a half. Like, I, I like that he was in Across the Universe and he's saying, I am the walrus. That's pretty cool. That was interesting because it wasn't about him. It was about John Lennon's song. And the other half of that is that Bono and the Edge wrote the song Goldeneye. Yeah. Uh, Although, you know, Tina Turner is the person who made that song work. Uh, and it's not even one of my favorite Bond songs, but, you know, it's... I like it enough, so... Okay, so now my turn on you two, all right? <laughs> now, I gotta say, you were... T- you, back to when you were saying that you thought most fans were girls, okay? No, there are a lot of hardcore g- fans that are guys, okay? Yeah, I just I, don't follow it. <laughs> I used to be, because, you know, I'm into the live, the demos, the alternate tracks, all this stuff about music and everything... I was a big freaking ass U2 fan about the collecting of the music. There was a great freaking website back in the mid-2000s called U2 MP3s. And I think they've moved it to Twitter now or something. It was the best trading site that you could find because there were fan mixes on there. There were bootleg mixes. So it was like Napster, only cool? (laughs) Yeah, well, well, they they were songs. Bono and Edge's approach on bootlegs are, you know what, you're going to do it, mm. but just don't take our original material, original right, release right, right. material. So I, now, they did a release. Have you ever heard of their album they put out, a fan club called Melon? Uh, kind of, I guess. Okay, it was a fan club, and the fans took onto this and started to make a, a few, this is when people, before we had the CD burners and MP3s, people started making more, people made a few more of these. They call, started calling them fruit legs. Okay, instead of bootlegs, fruit legs, because the first one was melon. And then they made apple. And I kind of being the fan, a lot of U2 fans, I, it, they don't, probably don't even know this. So this is kind of an exclusive right here for me to say this, all right? There are probably about 80% of the fruit legs that are out there that are still passed around on message boards. It's interesting to see these collections, these bootleg collections of songs that were done live or something from a video, an alternate take, something that I put together in my house, in my computer, in Albany, Oregon. Another U2 fan, his name was... Oh, I can't... He, he was a visual... One of those visual artist guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would make the covers for me. And we basically, out of Eugene, Oregon, and from Albany, Oregon, came all these fruit legs, uploaded to the internet. 
and I could actually show you that they're still out there floating around. Because oh, fans, I, I would make, I would get strange names for, for them, like star fruit. <laughs> these are actual fruit. These are actual rare fruits yeah, from around yeah, the yeah. world. Because I wanted to sound different. Because some, like you know, banana, orange, okay, big deal, you know. So I am the one who's responsible for all the fruit legs out there. You two fans, you're welcome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, now basically, I'm still a U2, not really a U2 fan, but I don't listen to the music. Once in a while when I'm in a mood, I'll listen to one particular song for a reason, you know. But I don't collect it, I don't follow their career anymore, I don't care. So what was the shift? Now I want to know what, what happened. Here's the shift, okay? So let's play the first song, because as you, as you kind of had your on there... Big fan I was back to one of my favorite songs was a song called Always. Mm -hmm. This is a song that was the precursor of the predated Beautiful Day, or it's what the song that became Beautiful Day. I love this song because it just had this live element to it that just kind of made you feel like you're on stage, like when I was doing stand-up comedy. Loved it. Let's play it.
Okay, so what kind of so we were talking there about I did all these these fruit legs that are still out there floating around, which is kind of cool. You were asking if I did any of the mixing. Most of it, no, but it's like I did take out of curiosity, I was experimenting. I took the Bono and Edge version of Goldeneye demo, Tina Turner's demo of Goldeneye, and made a duet out of it. Yeah. And it's on probably on one of those fruit legs. I don't know which one. We could probably see on YouTube with another time what or something. What editing or audio software did you use for that? I think now? it was still the same stuff that I use today, Sound Studio. Oh, okay. That's very, funny. very easy and fun to work with. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you suddenly said Pro Tools or Cubase, I would totally believe no, you. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, so what, what sunk the ship with me, with you two, and everything pretty much? All right, so they did No Line on the Horizon, and then we kept hearing about this album that's going to come out, Song of Innocence or Songs of Experience. We wait. We wait. We wait, what, a year? We wait two more years. There's no new music. Just these, it just keep, they keep talking about it. By the time it hit, I think, the four-year mark, I said, forget it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm tired. Not even a piece of music or something, you know. There'd always be this promise about something, and that pretty much did it. I didn't care. I was done. Finished. Promising to reform healthcare and it never happens. Yes, yes. Gonna, yes. We have a plan. It's going to happen in two weeks. Yes. That, and that's the longest two weeks I've ever heard. Felt more like four years. Yeah. Hmm. And eventually they came out with Songs of Innocence and Songs of Experience, and I didn't really care because it's like, okay, you had a chance. And then they came out with a song that was called Get Out of Your Own Way. And right there, my immediate thought was, holy shit, when you say that, get out of your own way, that sounds like it could be a really freaking cool, positive song to apply to all kinds of aspects of life. Yeah. Maybe they're back. Maybe they got their head out of their ass. Whoa, whoa, boy, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my beef is, I'm, we're going to play the song here. I'm going to play, you're going to see, they basically handed the music studio uh, responsibility off to, to some artist, and this was right after when Trump got elected and everything. It, it, it's like, why does everything have to be politics? Why does everything... I mean, pe this is when people were ending friendships. I'm not talking to my family. They voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. Whatever. So let's just play it. You'll see the visuals and see if you can guess what it was. <laughs> <laughs>
say you two's always been representative as always coexistence, getting along together, you know, something that has been positive, always, always. And then all of a sudden, here comes this one video that they hand off to an artist, and they got to bring the KKK, the, the 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 Trump thing. Can we just not have it be politics at the time? That's what completely has blown it out of the water for me. I don't care what they do now. It's over. Sorry, you two. I'm done. I still like your music. I'll listen to you once in a while. Might even do a podcast on the Fruit Legs, being that I put so many of them together. That's my summary of it. <laughs> the, the, I can tell, like, the music video is very dense, and it just kind of gets in the way of the song because they want to make a point it's a, about it. It's something. an awesome video! And then all of a sudden, because you've got all of these different fashions of animation going on, and then all of a sudden... Why do we have to have it about Trump or the KKK outside the White House? Forget it. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Which is funny because you say you like the music video. I don't like the music video now that I've seen it because it's it does seem very I, I, dense. Well, I don't and... like it, but I thought I liked if it didn't have all this stuff of the coolness of that they got different ways of animating it in there. Yeah. The stop motion, that kind of stuff. I actually found the animation to be kind of stiff, and that's me having friends who are animators because it's... There's, there's a number of music videos that have that kind of style, but I don't think they're as effective. Uh, I, I don't think this one is as effective as some of the other ones I've seen. Uh, I would have That's a whole other podcast, too. We keep talking about all these things that makes us think about other ideas, which is actually really cool. So I'm going to just stop saying that altogether because that's just going to make people hate listening to this. And the whole point of a podcast is to enjoy this for the moment. So... Let's not fall in our own trap of like going, oh, I, I hate this music video because it's reminding me of something else I want to talk about. But no, 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 no. We're, 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 well, you know, we're, we're nerds and that's what we can we're do. We're nerds and we're talking about the fact that, yeah, for you, you know, you two kind of dropped the ball and it didn't. they didn't just drop the ball. They dropped the ball off a cliff and there's no way to pick it the up now. The thing is, after this video came out, I went and I looked on the Facebook message boards and stuff. I wasn't the only one that was having the same feelings. There were people posting their comments saying, that's like, you know what, what per, some of their recent songs on the albums and videos, I'm out, done. I'm not the only one that has that feeling. Mm, so yeah. to me, that was like, good, I'm not the only one. Right. Well, as I was saying earlier, I guess it was because even if the Beatles were getting political, they found a way to space it out in between. Because if they always had followed what John Lennon was, you know, angry about, that, you know, yeah. It would have just been about that, you know. There's, I always say that when I, whenever Christmas time comes along, there's two songs I can't stand. There's Mariah Carey's Christmas song, because <laughs> it's overplayed and it's so annoying. Yeah. And it, it, and yet, unfortunately, it's one of the more popular modern Christmas songs, because nobody writes new Christmas songs. And I also don't like Happy Christmas War is Over, because I find Yoko Ono so annoying when she sings with the kids, because it's like nails on a chalkboard. You're like, why is this here? It's like, I get it. They loved each other, but for fuck's sake, I don't know how else to describe it. You're just like, ah, you know, I get it. Vietnam is over. But it's like... It's actually really... It, it, this is my experience as a musician. Because if, before I did filmmaking, I was a musician ever since I was a little kid. I was classically trained as a musician. I played in bands. I played clarinet. I sang in choirs. I did, you know, the old stupid, you know, talent, you know, shows and stuff. Whatever that we all make fun of when we're older. But, so, when you write a song, you have to kind of create it in such a way, at least that's how I feel about it, in a way where it's abstract enough that it could be about something that somebody listening to it could interpret it in, in many ways. Like, 
a really good version of that that came out recently was um, uh, Harry Styles wrote a song, and he you know he he did One Direction, and everybody can make fun of One Direction, but Harry Styles has now got a solo career. And he wrote this really, really great song, and it has an amazing music video of um, called "Time of Time of Your Life." And basically, when you listen to that song, you think it could be romantic. You think it could be something like it's about you know flying up like in the music video and accomplishing your dreams. It could be about all these things. And yet, when he actually explained what it was about, he said, oh, actually, it was about this idea of a woman who was dying in bed, and her newborn child, she's going to die in childbirth, and she's sad that she won't be able to give her child everything because, you know, it's now his time or her time, and I go. And I thought, whoa, that's really deep. But I didn't, I didn't think about that at all when I first heard the song. So it actually was a dark song, but the way it's sung and the instrumentation makes it sound so uplifting. So it really meant that Harry Styles wrote a song about death is okay. Like it's natural and it's just something that happens and it's okay. Like you can accept that. And that's kind of what he was saying even though when you listen to it you're like, oh this is so beautiful, I feel so good. I love that song, it's my favorite song on that album. So I love songs like that. My point is if you can make a song that you can interpret in multiple ways. And then when you actually find out what the song is about, you're like, oh, wow, I didn't think about that. Maybe you're, even if you're slightly disappointed, like, hmm, I mean, I didn't never thought of it that way, but that is totally valid. It's okay. Now, the point about what we're trying to say in the podcast is we're talking about songs that we do really like, but then there's other things that we're listening to, and we're going, why did you do it like that? Like, why was that, uh, why did that happen? And... Um, I guess the the other thing I was saying is, for example, in light of like what Bono is doing wrong, where he's alienating his fans, there are cases where some musicians go looking back on something. They're like, I don't know if I I should have done that. Like I was just explaining. Little regret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, looking back in hindsight. Like I I was um, I wanted to point out uh, an example was. I noticed I love Pink. I think Pink's great. She's got a great voice and she's done really great things for rock. And she's kind of in that line of like she can sing like Pat Benatar and Joan Jett. Like she can really belt it out and have like a nice, beautiful, edgy voice. And um, she did a song called Sober that I really love. And, it, you know, it's about, you know, trying to be okay with being sober and, you know, embracing your sobriety, even though part of the lyrics is her talking about how much she enjoys being high. So, um, but the music video is very counter counterintuitive to what you're listening to. So if you don't, if you're not watching the music video, you're kind of like, oh, there's a song about trying to be okay with being, you know, level-headed by being, you know, cold turkey. And then when you watch the music video, you're like, oh, this is really sexy. She's walking around in lingerie and, you know, she's, wearing a costume and she's in a padded cell and she's spinning around and that's the lyrics spin around spin around spin around and then you're like wait this music video has is is like the complete opposite of how i feel so now i i looked it up recently if you go on her youtube channel you can't find it you have to 
they must she must have decided i don't know her official statement but she must have decided this is i don't really that like this music sometimes. it happens you know i don't really like this music video anymore even though it's really well directed and it's got some great production value and it's got great costumes in it it's filmed in like a beautiful mansion but there's this whole during the bridge because i love pink's bridges she's like making out with herself and when you watch that in the music video the the first thing you think of as a guy as a heterosexual guy is that's really sexy but that has nothing to do with the song. So you're just like, wait a minute, I'm so confused. What does that have to do with anything? So sometimes <laughs> artists, I think, when they mature and grow and they look back on some things, they kind of go, I don't know about that. You know, it happens in filmmaking. Spielberg's not that crazy about 1941 and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. You know, he, he realized, I don't think that worked out as well as some of my other movies. So <laughs> it's one of those things you do. But I think, like, some of the artists were complaining about don't have that foresight. Like, Green Day doesn't have the foresight. Billy Joel Armstrong in particular doesn't have the foresight to say, maybe I made a mistake. You know, YouTube doesn't have the the foresight to say, Bono, hey, Bono, maybe you're being pretentious. All right, I'm like, taking your soapbox away next yes. song. No, 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 take my soapbox away, you know. Penny Reckless, My Medicine. Oh, okay. Your next you, song. You still want me to talk then. Okay, okay. Yes, I always appreciate a good cut As a off. producer of the podcast, I got to do that. No, no, I always, you got to be the interviewer. Like, next question. So, okay. Um... Who is this? Penny Reckless? Okay, Penny Reckless is a pretty recent band. Its lead singer is Taylor Momsen, and she is... She was originally an actress. She's famous for being the little girl in the, in Whoville and uh, oh. Dr. Seuss's, uh, you know, Ron Howard's film of How the oh, Grinch Stole okay. Christmas. So she was a child actress, and eventually she grew up and became one of the many competitive pretty teenagers on... Uh, the OC, I think, is what it was. So basically, she, you know, she grew up in Hollywood. So I, she kind of put all that aside and decided I want to do music instead and be in a band. So you know, they founded a rock band called the Penny, the Penny, or uh, the Pretty Reckless, excuse me. And um, basically, you hear their songs occasionally on alternative radio. You know, when I was in Nebraska, I heard a number of her songs playing on the river, which is one of my favorite alternative rock stations of all time because the river is playing a lot of covers and experimental songs that I barely hear on LA radio or Las Vegas radio or Phoenix radio. So um, there's a song that I love particularly called My Medicine and the music video is amazing because it reminds me of my party days because it feels very accurate and I don't mean just the music video but I feel like the way this song it, the the point of the song is like the joy of being very very stoned or very drunk or whatever you're on and just kind of getting lost in it and at the same time realizing you might have made a mistake kind of in the midst of it like you're like oh no am i okay and i like that aspect of the song because everybody who's partied really hard understands that vulnerability like you're in a a place where you want to have fun, you want to cut loose, you want to think about it. And then at some point you're kind of sitting there and you're like, hmm, am I all right? And I I love that about the song. It's a song I listen to quite frequently because if I want to get out of a, a weird mood or something, I kind of remind myself. Remember when you were partying, especially in the COVID era, remember when you were partying you could be normal around Shall people? Shall we play the song now? Yes, play it, play it, because <laughs> it's reminding me of those days. Thank you. 
favorite songs and I love the music video because it reminds me of the party scene days like it's a very accurate music video to what I've experienced in partying so you know if for example the the thing that's not realistic is the girl with no shirt on that's you know there would be guys like you know all over her and bees to honey yeah 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 that would yeah bees to honey you know there no no woman will allow herself to be that vulnerable unless these people were all like super duper good friends you know but that's not what usually happens in the party scene it's mostly people who are kind of mostly strangers a a number of groups of friends will go and hang out together so they'll kind of hang out as a little group of like six or seven and then there's a whole bunch of other people that you don't really know but in the party scene you know everybody's smoking weed everybody's getting drunk people are you know doing molly somebody's doing coke somebody's doing (laughs) somebody's doing somebody over there is like you know in the corner and they're having a bad reaction and somebody over here is like a little too uh you know horny and gotta calm them down and like dude stop it stop being a sexual predator 
that all those things like I could I could do movies about that whole scene because it's like it's nuts. But the music video is is fairly accurate to how it feels and looks. Most it, parties probably across the United States. Yeah, in this that, day and age, in the millennial, period. yeah, for millennials, yeah, you know, because I Definitely. I feel like the older party stage, the party, uh, the old party days, something like a, our version of John Hughes. My version of that would be called a Kager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yours is the Kager, and then somewhere in the middle of that is like the R-rated version of John Hughes mixed with like the Lost Boys. Like yeah. that was, that must have been what I, I imagine 80s and 90s parties were for some people. But somewhere, you know, going on 2000s on, they start looking like this, like uh, some kind of like underground thing where somebody's playing some music. There's a DJ over there, and oh look, somebody just you know snorted crushed Xanax. You know something like that. It, okay, my next song. <laughs> <laughs> no, no a that's a whole that's a whole other subject. Is the party scene? I could go on about scene. that. But the Penny Reckless. If you other than my medicine, which I think means personally to me do something. I to get, do I have to get improv on you? In conclusion. <laughs> In conclusion, the other songs that they have made are don't have that same kind of meaning. Like, they're a little bit more juvenile and ly lyrical content. Like, I mean, you could argue maybe My Medicine is juvenile, but, you know, there's people who are much older than me that are still partying. And that's still, you know, that's a scene. We know somebody who's partying right now and they're on the road. Yeah, That's an example of that right do. now. And he's not here. <laughs> the other so, host. <laughs> the other guy who's, like, somewhere off. Mike. Jersey Mike. <laughs> Jersey Mike. Where is he at? Oh, he's in a car somewhere with his buds uh, in the freeway. But it's like, you know, it, like some of the other songs sound like what I would have listened to at 14 thinking this is hardcore. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Yes. Like, okay, okay. This is hardcore. This is like, I think this is hardcore, but I haven't discovered heavy metal. Like, in, I haven't. In conclusion of conclusion. <laughs> I'm pulling the plug on you. Okay? <laughs> no, go for I gotta it. I got to keep, got to keep, got to keep the listeners listening. Okay, my la the last song. This is a song by Steve Earle. A friend of mine turned me on to this song because he asked me if I could find it for him on the internet back in 2001. His name's Adam, and it's a song that I like. Released in 1988, it's called Copperhead Road. It's based on a story that happened in Mountain City, Tennessee. Moonshine, corruption, Vietnam. Car crash, conspiracy, murder. It's a whole lot of facts that I didn't go into, but I like the song because it's got mandolin, it's got bagpipes, it's got just this assortment of instruments that you would not normally see working together for some reason. I barely think bagpipes works in anything. <laughs> well, AC, look, ACDC, some songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's... anyway, here is Copperhead Road, Steve Earle.
You hardly ever saw granddaddy down here You only come a town about twice a year You buy a hundred pounds of yeast and a copper line Everybody knew that it made me shine Copperhead Road Now daddy ran a whiskey In a big black Dodge Bought it at an auction At the Mason's Lodge Shots of can of sheriff Painted on the side just shot a coat of primer and looked inside Well, him and my uncle tore that engine down I still remember that rumbling sound and Then the sheriff came around in the middle of the night Heard mama crying that something wouldn't right He's headed down to Knoxville with a weekly load You can smell a whiskey burning down Copperhead Road there when you listen to it it's got the it starts out the bagpipes and the mandolin going in there and then like halfway through it really doubles up on the music that's the only song that i know by steve earl i'm not going out to look for his career 
I just love that song. Maybe someday I'll do a YouTube search to see if there is a Copperhead Road documentary, the story behind the song. <laughs> but I don't know what it is. But I like that song a lot. Thanks, Adam, for turning me on to it. You want an Anvil, the story of Anvil documentary. That's what you want for uh, Steve Earle. Anvil? <laughs> you don't know about Anvil? No. That, that's a whole other story. Canadian uh, Canadian heavy metal band. about Kind of showed up at the same time as like Anthrax and stuff. They did a, like a really good popular first album. There's a documentary on them. And they never really achieved the success after the first album, even though they've done like more than 13 albums now. Because yeah. they had a lot of trouble with like uh, getting a really good studio album. But it's, yeah, there's a documentary about that. But uh, yeah, I mean, we were just, just to you pod listeners out there, uh, podcast listeners, we were just talking about how, uh, you know, sometimes there's singers that we know like one song of theirs and then we don't really know much about them after that. Like, I was just I just mentioned Cisco. I was just thinking about the Thong song and Wild Wild West because I remember that as a growing up and now I'm like, where where did he go? He was such a good singer. Like I don't know anything else about him. I have to I have to do the research. But that when you just brought that up and made me think of Anvil. I was like, yo, yeah, Anvil. They they had like a really good like one like a original studio album and they like performed with the likes of, you know, those guys. Like so it was just kind of funny how things like that work, you know, because a lot of the things that we're talking about aren't necessarily just singers we don't like or bands we don't like. Sometimes they ju- we're just like, what else did that person do? You know, what else there is there? There is a category work? that you look at the career sometimes. Oh yeah, because we you know. do we do like that. Uh, we we look at the careers of some things. And hell, I did a post uh, not too long ago about how Gene Kelly is one of the great directors of the musical, I mean, because of Singing in the Rain, but he gets thrown aside sometimes when you look at the career of Vincent Minnelli or George Sidney or Robert Stevenson or Robert Wise. You know, John Rich did Roustabout, and a lot of people like Roustabout so much because it's Elvis, one of Elvis Presley's best movie musicals, but then when you think Gene Kelly, you're like, oh, yeah, he's a really great dancer, and it's like, yeah, but he also was a director. He directed, like, 11 movies, wow. you know? So it's just kind of like... But again, you know, 11 movies versus Vincent Minnelli's, like, what? Like, 30, 40 movies he did in his life? So, you know, it's... Sometimes people get... They they get, like... As you're pointing out with Journey. You get a little stagnant, a little Yeah, stale. you get stagnant or you get kind of lost. Like, somebody goes, where did that person go? Like, what else are they doing? And it has nothing to do with whether that person's putting in the work or not sometimes it has to do with either improper marketing or it has to do with uh oversaturation like i think madonna is one of the most oversaturated people ever it's like david lee roth was on cbs news this morning Uh he's not doing anything now yeah he's in quarantine he's hiding like everybody else understandable he's painting he's he's expanding on his painting oh awesome it's amazing like jim carrey and george w bush i i like guys who can paint like that like oh you could paint and then when you look at them you're like oh that's amazing that's really good i like that you would never expect them to come out with you know yeah yeah because you never know it's just something else that they're doing you know okay so true conclusions on finishing on the podcast final statement okay so yeah like i have nothing against uh the, I, I'm not somebody who goes out and judges people and openly attacks people. That's just not me. 
I'm looking for constructive criticism. That's just kind of how I view things. So if somebody were to listen to this and not take my constructive criticism, then it's like, well, I don't want to deal with an internet troll then. I'm not here to talk to trolls. I'm here to talk to true fans who just like music and understand, you know, what it might take to have a good song. And, you know, whether it's marketing or maturing, maturing as an artist. That's what you do, because, and the audience matures with yeah, her. Yeah, Taylor well, exactly. Swift fans, her fans mature with her. Yeah, I hope so, because I, I'm actually at that point, too, where I'm kind of like, do I like Taylor Swift's music or not? Mm-hmm. I haven't figured it out, don't, you know? No, there's That's, a, there's but it's a okay. Topic. There's a topic. Don't hate them, don't like them. No, yeah, but it's okay. My sister was actually telling me that she <laughs> treats her crew and her backup singers really well. So that's something to admire about her. Like, oh, that's awesome. So she really, you know, she treats employees really well. That's good. That's awesome, you know. On the flip side, Frank Sinatra treated his his people who worked with him so <laughs> shittily because he was just not a guy who he didn't he he struggled with his happiness. Ava Gardner could talk all about that. She it's all over her all over her old memoirs and stuff like that. But my point is is that yeah, 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 whether I'm talking about the the pretty reckless and hoping that their mature their work matures, you know, Alvaro Levine is somebody who I listened to growing up and her release her her recent album, I mean, is her latest album, Head of a Water, is fantastic. Because she's, she's matured like, oh, here's a really grown-up album about, you know, overcoming Lyme disease. That's a really sad, scary thing. You could look it up. That Not not too many people know about Lyme disease. Like, the doctors don't really quite understand why it's not that symptomatic. But anyway, you get it, and you have to just overcome it survive it so my point is you know in conclusion and conclusion and conclusion <laughs> is that uh but Wayne was just saying it's better to over talk in this than not to talk at all is uh you know yeah let's just hopefully you can find uh good subjects to discuss in you know brain teasing things to go oh here's an interesting subject let's talk about this not many people talk about it this is the whole point of a podcast if you're listening to this in a car and you're you know, traveling in the United States because you don't know what the else the fuck to do at this quarantine era. <laughs> I listen to our podcast and like, oh, I didn't think about that. That's badass. Let's think about that some more. Let's talk about real things that we should discuss. That's and in the point. next podcast, we will be getting back onto the Back to the Future soundtrack dissection, track number seven, which is Roll with Me, Henry, and that's next time. Yay.